Today, our scripture passage is coming from Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, the Second Thessalonians, chapter 3, verses 6 through 13. You can follow along on the screens as is read or in your own personal Bible as I read it aloud. So now we command you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to keep away from every brother or sister living irresponsibly and not according to the traditions that they received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. We were not irresponsible when we were with you, and we did not eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor we worked night and day so that we may not burden any of you. This is not because we do not have the right, but in order to give you an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this command. Anyone unwilling to work should not eat. For we hear that some of you are living irresponsibly, mere busybodies, not doing any work. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Brothers and sisters, do not be wary in doing what is right. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, for me, when I read this passage in Thessalonians, it makes me think about a situation back in history with the Virginia Company. Now, some of y'all history scholars are going to know where I'm going with this, and other of you, it's going to be a refresher, probably what you learned in grade school. But the Virginia Company was founded in the late 1500s, early 1600s by the British Crown to go out and start new uh, businesses in the new world, okay? To find gold and riches and bring it back to the British Crown and to find a passage to East Asia. So the Virginia Company got in touch with Captain John Smith, okay? And they went out to the new world and established a colony called Jamestown, okay? In 1607, April of 1607. Now, a little, a little uh, breakdown of British society, you know, they sent over about 105 men to start this colony, and about a third of them were servants, a third of them were farmers and workers, and a third of them were gentlemen. And apparently, in British society, if you were a gentleman, you were not supposed to work, okay? You had servants for that, okay? You had people you hired out for that. You were a gentleman, okay? You owned lots of estates and had lots of property, okay? But you were not to work. Well, for some reason, they thought it would be a great idea to send these non-working men to the new world, okay? But they did. And so in Jamestown, you had about a third of the able-bodied men just running around, not working, but looking for gold, okay? Looking for more riches. They actually found what was called fool's gold, okay, in that process. There was not a lot of gold in North America. They found that out the hard way. But anyway, and so you had all of this going on. And, you know, when you start a new colony, it's pretty rough, right? You've got to clear the land. You've got to set up a perimeter of fence because, hey, you're, you're actually poaching on someone else's property. Native Americans have been there for thousands of years. They don't like you coming over, all right? And you have to build structures. You have to farm. So you had a lot of hard work, a lot of disease, a lot of death. It took three months to get to Great Britain. So you had a, a long travel time to get back and get help and all that kind of stuff. And so they had some harsh times in Jamestown. Any colony would have harsh times getting started, and people started to die. I know that's surprising, but people would start to die. And their able-bodied men population started shrinking down. So this is where I say some of y'all might remember this back from grade school. So Captain John Smith made a proclamation as things were working, looking really dire at one point. And he said, everybody must work, gentlemen included. If you don't work, you don't eat, okay? And so when he said that, all those gentlemen took off their white gloves and they went to work, okay? Because everybody likes to eat. 
And so when I, when I hear and read this passage, my mind just goes back to that moment there where Paul is talking to uh, this church he started in Thessalonica in Greece, okay? Right around probably 50 AD uh, with Timothy. He went over there and started this church there. But um, they began to have some problems. They began to have some uh, persecution, okay? Because this place over here was a, well, obviously a Roman colony, a Roman area, but they had a lot of freedoms, okay? And they didn't like Christians coming in and changing up how you're supposed to worship gods. And so they got persecuted a lot by the uh, Orthodox Jewish people. They got persecuted by the Romans. I mean, these Christians had everybody not liking them. It was tough times, tough times for this church, um, for the Thessalonians. And Paul wrote one letter to them, and then he heard some things were going on again. So he had to write a second letter to this church, okay? He had to write a second letter. And so what he did was he, he uh, basically wrote the first part of the letter to encourage them, to give them hope. Hey, it's like, hey, stick it in there. Hold on, hold on, hang tight. It's going to get better. It's going to get better, okay? It's going to be rough right now, but you've got this. Because he says the original Hebrew people were persecuted by evil kings, okay? The Romans were persecuting them, all right? And he said in the future, you're going to face persecution by evil leaders, okay? That's just going to be a fact of life. But in your suffering, you join in with Jesus Christ and his suffering and there's no better gift than that. So have joy. Have joy that as you join in in suffering with Jesus Christ when you are persecuted. So he's trying to uh, build them up. He's trying to, you know, help them through a tough time with the second letter. And then he started to get into some of the, the issues besides persecution that these people were, were dealing with. Dealing with, okay? And so that's what we're going to look at in this letter today is what are some of the issues outside of the persecution that they're dealing with? And how does that apply to us? Because I think some of us face the same issues that the Thessalonians did. So when you look at here, at the beginning of the verses we read, it says, But we command you, brothers, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition you received from us. This is very direct. Paul is telling him, we command you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not like, eh, I suggest it would behoove you. None of that. He went straight to the point. He said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you. Okay? So he was not playing around. This was a big issue that he wanted to hit straight on. It's kind of like when your parents call out your full name. You know you're in trouble. This is one of those situations. The Thessalonians better listen up or they're going to be in trouble. It says that we command you to withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly lives, not according to the traditions. All right, let's do a full stop and let's look at this, okay? Because this passage here can also be used and twisted by folks who don't know what Paul is saying to mean something evil. It can mean something really harsh, and that's not what Paul was saying. Here, in this situation, he is saying, pull away from other proclaimed believers who are acting disorderly, who know better, but still are acting disorderly. Pull away from them. Not, not those that don't know Jesus. Not those that don't know the Lord. Don't pull away from them. Pull away from those who proclaim they do know. Because in Paul's mind, there's nothing worse than once being in part of the body of Christ, being a part of the community, and then being pulled away from. His idea here was that they'll come to their senses once they realize that the community is pulling away from them, the community of faith. And it would be such a horrible place, that separation, that they would want to repent and come back into the fold. Okay, That's what he was meaning there. It wasn't meaning that 
Christians should not interact with those that seem lost, that those that need to know Jesus Christ. He's not saying that. He's saying that those that do know the Lord Jesus, who know better, pull away from them so they can see what it feels to be separated and they will be so overwhelmed, they'll repent and they want to come back into the fold. And so he was very direct in saying, we command you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to do this. And he said this also in another letter to the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 4 through 5, he said the same thing about pulling away from those that are disobedient that know better so that they will then feel the separation and want to come back and repent and come into the fold. And so he says in verse 7 through 9, For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we were not disorderly among you. We did not eat anyone's bread free of charge, but worked with labor and toil night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. Not because we do not have this authority, but we, to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. Paul and his other missionaries should have not had to work. They should have been welcomed as guests, put up in people's homes, fed meals, all that great stuff. And that would have been okay. And that, that does happen sometimes. But he intentionally worked. And his people intentionally worked to provide for themselves financially so that they can give of their gifts freely to the people, to the Thessalonians. So that their ministry would not cost them anything monetarily. And they did that, as he said, as an example. You should also be a contributing person to your faith community. You should be somebody always in motion, always moving, okay? And then they did this to show this as an example, as an example to the Thessalonians that they should continue to work. Because in verse 10, this is where I got, where I found, Captain John Smith probably channeled this when he told the Jamestown. It says, for even when we were with you, we command you this, if anyone will not work, they shall not eat. See, what was happening here is that they were becoming idle. Idleness. They were not lazy. They had the ability to work. They were capable people. He wasn't telling folks who were not able to work. That, that's another thing here. That's another way this passage can be used for evil is to say, well, you know what? Those homeless folks, they ought to work. I'm not going to go serve them. People have used this passage for that purpose, and that's wrong. They're not able to work. They're not in a position in their life right now where they can do that. With our help, they can be. But we're not supposed to pull away from them. This was for people who could work. These were people that were able to. Like the gentlemen of the British society, they could work. Take off your white gloves and go farm. Go build a fence. Support the colony. And so what Paul is saying here to the Thessalonians, he is challenging them in their idleness. Folks who could but then could not. Because what happens, the other saying is idleness is the devil's playground or something like that, right? When you're idle, then you begin to gossip. You begin to poke around in somebody else's business. You begin to do things that are damaging to the community in which you belong. As it says here in verses 11 through 13, For we hear that some of you who walk among you in a disorderly manner are not working at all, but are busy bodies. They're not busy people, but they're busy bodies. And now those who are such we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. Provide for yourself, but as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. What is right? He is commanding people to work, 
But why were they not working? What were they idle for? Well, right around this time period, many people believed that Jesus Christ was physically going to come back in their lifetime. They were waiting for Jesus to come. They were being idle, letting things kind of fall apart. And then in their idleness, they started gossiping. And then they started to panic a little bit. Because then they were like, wait a minute, if, if he's already here, he's coming like a thief in the night, why are we still here? Did we mess up? Did we get left behind? They were beginning to worry and beginning to gossip. And things began to fall apart. And Paul said, whoa, 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 look, all of this got started because y'all were idle. And y'all began to let your mind wander. And you became anxious and nervous, started gossiping. You were busybodies. They weren't working. So this is where he says you need to go back and live your life. Go back and live your life. Pull away from those brothers and sisters that are disorderly so they don't influence you, but yet they can feel that separation and come back into the fold. But then you quietly go about your business. Earn your own keep. Because as Bam was talking about earlier about teamwork, it's like a team. If people in the community of faith that are able to work and pull their own weight are not, they become dead weight. I mean, just think about the pros. Think about the NFL. The contracts they give these players, they expect them to get on the field and play. They don't sign these multi-million dollar contracts for a lineman to get up there and not block anybody. If he just stood around, he'd get pulled. Same with the body of Christ. Same with the body of Christ. As you are able to serve, as you are able to work, as you are able to give back, do so as you are able Do not be idle. Do not let your gifts go unused. You are to use what God has enabled you with. And yeah, it's hard because it says, do not go weary of what's doing right. Yeah. You know, we've all been there, right? We try to go to church. We try to, you know, follow the rules of the road. We try to, you know, pay our taxes. We try to do all the right things in life and society. Give back. All that. And then after a while, it gets hard and it gets tiring, right? It's kind of like, I just, want to, I just want to give up sometimes. It's hard living what's right. It's not easy. It's easy to not do anything. It's easy to be idle. But then when that happens, things begin to fall apart, right? And so when we look at this passage here, when we look at this passage here, it can be used for good, but we have to be wary of the evil that it is being used for as well. And that's what I wanted to call out because this passage has been used to criticize the homeless. To tell those who are not able to work, oh, they just need to work. Or to pull away from people to the point where you, you never connect back. That's not what this passage is about. It was written for a group of people that knew better, that could have, and began to become idle and gossiping and worrying and become counterproductive to what they were called to be. And so this means that we have to live disciplined lives. As a disciple of Christ, we are to be disciplined in what we do, intentional with what we do, always seeking where God is calling us to be. And so that does take time reading Scripture, takes time praying, takes time talking to other Christians. It takes effort, not idleness. And so we have to watch out for that. We have to watch out for the moments where we just want to give up and not do anything. Because there are moments in life that we feel that way. 
but we have a community of faith to build us up. And so as we get into, we're coming into the season of Advent where we reflect upon what the birth of Christ means for us as we anticipate God incarnate coming to earth. Where are we in our own lives? Where are we idle in our faith? Because there's probably an area where we just don't want to go into and try because it's hard. But that's being idle. As believers of Christ, as the church, we are called to always be on the move. You know, if your church is not making an impact in the community of which it resides, then it's not on the move, is being idle, is not relevant. Why have the church? A church is here, the body of Christ is here to worship God and to serve and love others. You know, as pastor here at St. Matthew's, always look at our ministries. Are the ministries that we're doing now at St. Matthew's making an impact in our community and in our world? And if not, we've got to change something or cease to be a church. Because if you're not, you're being idle. You're being a church that's idle, a church of busybodies that's just trying to survive. And that's not what we're called to be. And so when we look at our ministries at St. Matthew's, I challenge each and every one of you, are we always looking out? Are we looking out and being on the move? Or are we just trying to preserve our survival? It's risky. It's scary. But that's what the church is called to be. And so Paul has some very pointed words for this church. He used the name of the Lord and commanded them. Because it's that important. It's that important. Because as we get into the Advent season, it is our time to show the world what a gift it is to have Jesus Christ. What that means for us personally and what it means for us as a community. And so we need to reflect and see how we can share that message of how that's such a great hope for all of us. That we have the ability to have salvation through Jesus Christ. And we need to live out that gift and share that good news. But you can't do it if you're idle. So may we as individuals, may we as church body, may we as St. Matthew's, may we reflect upon Paul's words today to the Thessalonians because as they are words for us today. May we not misuse the words for evil. May we use the words as a reflective mirror for us. For us to see where we are idle in our faith, where we need to be on the move, what we need to cut out that's slowing us down so that we can share the good news of the arrival of Christ for this upcoming Advent season. Let us pray.